0: Graham McMillan, how are you? I'm all right. I'm actually kind of exhausted and grumpy today. Oh, good, good. That's always perfect time to record it. Yeah, tell me about it. I've spent the entire day being like, fuck. (laughs) We're doing Case Files 31 as well. Fuck. I'm going to go off on one in the weirdest tangent on this. I, I warn you.
1: Okay, that sounds good. I'm very excited.
0: Welcome to episode thirty-five of Drock, our monthly journey through the the annals of of Megacity One's favorite, most popular, and let's be completely honest, most handsome lawman, Judge Dredd. Uh, we we're a volume thirty-one of the Judge Dredd's complete case files. Jeff, this I... this is kind of amazing to me. We're finally reaching the year two thousand as well. Yes. In, in terms of when these things were published, this is material from 1999 to 2000. Before I go into what issues are collected, I will say that my name is Graham McMillan, and with me is... Jeff Lester. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. And I'll also say that we're coming from Steve McManus blog this time. Uh, we're doing two thousand 2008 progs 1165 through 1185 plus prog 2000, the first prog 2000, because... Hmm. Things Go Weird with 2008 numbering. We're also doing Magazine, Volume 3, Issues 60 through 69. Uh, Like I said, 1999 through 2000. Written by John Wagner and Alan Grant. There's a shit ton of Alan Grant in this volume. Is there? Oh, right. There's a lot of Alan Grant in this volume. I would say the majority of the 2008 series are Alan Grant this time around, which is kind of amazing. And it's drawn by... A whole host of people: Siku, Colin Milson, Paul Marshall, Cam Kennedy, Mick McMahon, Steve Parkhouse is in there. Peter Doherty's in there. There's there's really a, a an incredible number of of artists. Uh, the last storyline from the magazine alone has Duncan Fregula, Jock, Wayne Reynolds, Simon Colby, Anthony Williams, Ben Oliver, and Richard Elson. Yeah, in like a five part story. Which yeah. Is, absolutely bonkers mm-hmm. it's a mixed bag i think it's fair to say mm-hmm. uh this came out uh obviously these stories follow what we were doing when we did the last proper draw which was the crossover the doomsday crossover which took up basically that entire book and as has become weirdly traditional as a result this is all for the most part one-offs or or like really short-run continuity but also it's maybe the lightest book that we've had in a while. Don't you think?
1: Um, you mean in terms of uh, of like comedy strips? Yes. Yeah. I would. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I. <laughs> without tipping my hand too much, I'm like, yes, definitely a lighter volume, a funnier volume. However. Oh yeah, no, I'm not. I, I didn't say that. I said they were humor <laughs> strips. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Well. Well done. You have definitely. Yeah. Okay. I.
0: I. Yeah. I have. I have. Um. I have.
1: You know. Tipped my
0: hand a bit. It. It's an. It's an odd. Odd book. Um. It's a very fast read. I don't know how you found it,
1: mm-hmm. but I feel
0: like I sped through this. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And in ways that are good and not good. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. It was. You know, it wasn't just like light because it's humor filled. It was also light because, like, there wasn't a lot of there there. Uh,
1: you know, yeah, I I think well, uh, this volume. Well, I'll be honest. I had forgotten that Alan Grant had done some of the stories. So, Alan Grant
0: does. Let me see. Eleven of the two thousand D stories compared with. I think it's like six from John Wagner, right? And so I thought they
1: were all uh, Wagner, and so there were a few points where I was like, "You're like Wagner's lost it." I did. I was like, "Has Wagner had a stroke?" Like, there was...
0: was it the Harry Potter bit that you thought that? Um, because I've got to be honest, the Harry Snotter Boy Wizard strip, right? Uh, it's all whatnots, yeah. Um, really was a. Oh my God! This is terrible. What's
1: happened? Yeah, exactly, and and I mean the part of the problem with it is, uh, it it just it hits it hits a really bad patch, and that patch is, I'm looking at it now, really close to being all of Grant stuff. Like, it's not. Like Porter's Porter actually was sort of, uh, in other words, Harry Snodder Boy Wizard follows uh, Dumb Skulls, which is literally uh, uh, just a just such a tossed off non-story in which you get to see the the little voices inside this psychopath's head, and you also get to see the little voices inside. Dredd's head, like these okay, personifications. I, I want to ask something about that very quickly.
0: You know that's a parody of a long-running strip in the Beano comic called Numbskulls, right?
1: Well, of course, Graham. Okay, I mean,
0: no, no, I did. I no, I'm no kidding. kidding. I
1: have no idea. I have no idea. That's, that's utterly. How would I know that?
0: So, it's yeah. basically the setup of Numbskulls, right? But in Judge Dredd. and there's no like calling it a parody is being far too generous Mm -hmm. because there's no joke beyond that
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right and so there's and that was kind of the way with the with harry potter that was honestly kind of the insane old pals act uh which again i thought was wagner writing about wagner and dread and i've got to say I actually love Old Pals Act. Old Pals Act is probably the best of the Grant material. Yes. It helps that Cam Kennedy is doing the art. And yes. similarly, although Harry Snodder Boy Wizard is, again, I mean, it's, ex- it's almost exactly like Dumb Skulls in that it is... There's no joke beyond the reference. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's just I happen to get the reference and you've got fucking Steve Parkhouse art. So it's pretty great until you you know later get to see i jovis which is wagner and parkhouse doing something you know and then it really goes to town but yeah absolutely you know it's the the grant stuff is amazing it feels
0: very um old school in a way uh in in the you know i would say you know if we were doing volume six or seven right there was a point where Wagner and Grant would just happily go, what are we doing for this week's dread? I've just watched On the Buses. Let's do an On the Buses riff. Right. Right? But there was more
1: meat to each episode there. Right. Well, and um, I, yes. Sorry. No, 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 no. Yeah, I, and and part of it is Wagner and Grant. I, I think that when they were, you know, when they were working in tandem, what was great was they um, – You know, they clearly riffed and built off of each other. And one would say, arguably, they covered for each other's weaknesses. That really seems to be the case for me in terms of the other Grant stuff that I material that I have read for Judge Dredd, you know, where it's Grant writing it on his own. And in this volume, like you said, it almost seems like classic Wagner and Grant, except when they were doing the stories together, you would get the riff. And you would get closure like you would get that, you know, people who are, have listened to this podcast have have heard my secret obsession with, I think, Wagner's um, like commitment to to craft for the most part. Like he can mm-hmm. get bored, he can get other things, but like when he sits down and tries to really he he has an obsession with trying to make sure that you get a little more out of it than than you would think. And and that is so not the case with Grant here. Like <laughs> Yeah, it, it's true. Like a, a
0: lot of Tom Skulls is a great example. Harry boy Wizard is a great example. Art for uh, art's Ch- sake, which I hated. Yeah Shakespeare war as well though. Yeah, you know? yeah. Suck two smoking log There's so much here that is literally you know, it's almost as if he came up with like, well I'm referencing this in this episode and then he forgot to write a story.
1: Actually, yes, I agree. What Lockstock and and Two Smoking Lawgivers is the closest one to actually having a quote unquote story. But like Harry Snodder, art art for art's sake in particular, like Shakespeare at War, they just stop. You know what I mean? Like Shakespeare at War is like, okay, we're going to start with the Shakespeare references and we're going to goof on him. Okay, and now our page count is done and we tromp off the stage. You know well, what I mean? I mean
0: I thought it was the true of Higher Snodder as well. harry yeah. Snodder doesn't really have a story
1: at all. No, no story. It's just like cheap gags and then at the end of it is another cheap gag that honestly isn't any better than any of the other cheap gags you were just looking at. So Yeah, it's
0: it's kind of it, it's genuinely kind of amazing. Yeah. The the You said that old Palzac is probably the best of the Alan Grant here. I would disagree. I think Doldrums is better. Doldrums is a story about uh, people waiting in line for jobs. Oh, yeah. Sorry. You're right. Sorry. I think Doldrums is is actually a a genuinely good Judge Dredd story, which, to be blunt, I didn't – I was surprised Alan Grant had in him based in the other material he does in this book.
1: Well, see, and because I thought it was all Wagner, I was like, okay, Wagner's had a stroke, stroke – yeah, Old Pals Act is self-indulgent, but I think he pulls it off. Um Lockstock and Two Smoking Lawgivers actually I felt like was was a uh, Wagner is incredibly distracted, but at least he had enough time to put in the the work. Um the line and cash point honestly is is 50% of the way or maybe maybe 80% of the way there to being pretty good, I thought. Um so yeah no those are those are those honestly, there's like maybe three or four stories that actually feel like stories, but the rest just feel just just feel appalling yeah. here's
0: here is my weird quasi rant exciting, do you know what else makes these stories feel slighter and less successful
1: uh Siku's art, yes, the
0: art, not just Seiko though oh yeah Suku is. 100% <laughs> arguably the most guilty. Yes. Yeah. Um, there is so little in the art mm-hmm. at times mm-hmm. that the pages are visually empty. Yes. You know, but also we're in, you know, when we're talking about, you know, quote unquote classic dread mm-hmm. from the 80s. Yes. You would have, you know, a Ron Smith or a Cam Kennedy mm-hmm. or a, a McMahon drawing these strips. There would be such a level of information on the page, yeah, yeah. That that even if you weren't digging the story, as often happened,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you could dig the art to such a degree mm-hmm. that you would be one hundred percent into it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, but I... but that's like it's it's this weird thing. That I don't want to be like, well, you know, this new generation of artists, they're shit, because I don't believe that. You know, you get some. Uh, You get a couple of of Henry Flint stories here. Oh, yeah. You know? Right. And Henry Flint's just fucking great. Yeah. Henry Flint, he's a new guard, and he's just amazing. Honestly, Paul Marshall, I think, puts in some really good work here as well. I thought that
1: Jason Brazil's stuff, I don't like it much, I guess, but – but it works, but there, you know what I mean? Like for the most part, there's enough there. It, again, you've got very slight stuff there, but – or doldrums. Again, Dean Ormston's art. Dean Ormston's colors, uh,
0: his painting that work there is, is just genuinely yeah, lovely.
1: Yeah, really nice. You know,
0: uh-huh. But but otherwise, you know, Siku stuff is really bad. Wayne Reynolds' stuff is bad. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Simon Davis, I think, is a great artist, but art for art's sake is is terrible and is is one hundred percent, you know, a based around the fact that he can riff on famous paintings and you know, put in I guess oh. photocopies of them,
2: oh, but but also oh, like
0: God. just visually does not work mm-hmm. at all, yeah, like does not work at all. Yep, um, and the art in many of these stories in this volume not only feels as if it's letting the the writing down when the writing's already weak, but it almost feels like it's acting against the success of the strip. Yeah. Like, this is a volume where I was like, there there are not only unfortunate art choices made here, there are downright bad art choices being made here. There are art choices that hurt the strip considerably here. Yeah. And again, Siku is by far the greatest defender. Yeah, I think so as well. He appears in like three or four strips here, and in every single one, Mm -hmm. seems as if they're half-assing it to the point where it harms the strip.
1: Yeah, which again, in the case of something like Pumpkin Eater, is just incredibly weak. The Revenge of Trapper Hag is actually a Wagner story. And is probably among the weaker, if not the weakest, Wagner story in the volume. Mm-hmm. Of course, now I've got to re-divvy up my brain of what who does what. But Siku really undercuts that even more. It's interesting because I went back and read because they make the reference. I'm like, oh, I can, I bet I can hunt that up really quickly. So I went back and reread the Trapper Hag stuff, the original appearance, and I'm like. Yeah, this is not great either, but the art... But far I don't but remember as Smith was so much better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, also, down. like,
0: you know, it, the Revenge of Trapper Hag features a visual-based climax that does not work because doesn't, he yeah. doesn't get the information over. That's right. That's you know, right. The, the the finale of, of the Revenge of Trapper Hag is that dread burns off Trapper Hag's fur. Yeah. You can't tell that from the art. No, no, exactly. Like, yep. that is actually not... Yeah, not possible to to read. Yeah, purely from the artwork,
1: mm-hmm. you know, and
0: to the point where you know you have to basically, I'm I'm inferring that's what happens.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah, because because you can't, you just can't tell. Yep, you know it's it's the art choices here are are really bad, and maybe. You know, this is just before Egmont sells 2018 Rebellion.
2: Mm. Like literally,
0: this is mm-hmm. just before it happens. And you and I both read Through Power Overload. I mean, we've right. You know, seen how uh, 2018 in the magazine are not necessarily under threat per se, but are are being continually mismanaged and yes. underfunded. That's right. You know. And and I I do wonder how much of that really plays into what we're seeing here.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, very much so. I, I I think I think you're right. It is amazing. It's some of the weakest work since uh, that really rough period when they launched the magazine and they were just just really strapped for talent. And some of these people, again, some of it's like. They should have known better, like you said. Whatever the heck was happening. The thing that's ironic is um, there's a, there's a lot of amazingly good art here too. Of course, like Colin Wilson's stuff is fabulous. Steve Parkhouse's work is amazing. The McMahon the Cam Man. Kennedy stuff. And the Cam Kennedy you know? stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: exactly. It's, you know? it's, it's really, really great.
1: Yeah. And like you, know, and
0: like you said, Dean Armstrong and Doldrums is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Henry Flint's uh, J.D. Megson yes. is great. Really strong as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. And there, then... there's, there is some
1: genuinely great art in this book. Right. But like, yeah. I think when we get to talking about, for example, Dead Ringer, I feel like Dead Ringer is such a perfect summation of this volume. Because it's, in theory, it's one story, but you get the high highs and the low lows of just, you know, like great art choices elevating the material. And then terrible choices just undercutting the material to the point where you're kind of like, this material feels way more threadbare than it should. You know what I mean? and, And
0: again, you know, you see... You get to see all of that in one story. Yeah. Like right. Dead Ringer very much is this volume in, in miniature. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Where, where you, you, the quality is so variable that it hurts the whole thing overall. Right. Right. You know, it, it's, but this, again, this is the volume where the art feels particularly important because the stories are so threadbare.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, even, even the, the, the Wagner ones that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. You know, and there are there. You know, there's there's a bunch of stories in here I like, just downright like.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but they're all fairly light, right? There, there's no there's no great weight to any of them, and so mm-hmm. the art has, I think, an, an increased importance. And you know, over and over and over again, right? It it just disappoints
1: very repeatedly. Now, I do want to 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 spell things out. Like there is a lighter um, slice uh, ratio of what you might call the dread long game uh, in this. But oh, there, yeah, yeah. there is some very substantial uh, dread long game stories in here. Uh, Voltface. Voltface
0: uh, is, yeah, Voltface is great. And Voltface is essentially a sequel to, to the last book.
1: Right, right. And then the cow legacy builds off of that.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, And and the long-running, you know, what is happening with Judge Edgar's story.
1: Exactly. Well, and that's it. It's really the the two, as you get Volt's replacement, uh, which I guess not really spoilers since it's 20 years old, but it's Hershey. And one of the first things that happens is uh, Hershey is like, well, actually, so there's Volt and everyone's like, eh, you know. Hershey, you should go for it. Then there's Hershey actually going for it and getting it, and people saying like, "Yeah, look out for Edgar," and and Hershey does gets incredibly does. proactive. Her- Her- yes, does look
0: for Edgar.
1: Yeah, and so and so there's a, an entire section of, of of long game dread stuff where it's Wagner, it's Wagner writing ex- excellent material and supported by like excellent artists. You know, he's got Colin Wilson doing the art for Voltface and then the election story. The Cal yeah, and the cow Legacy. Um and then uh is it No Man's Land? What's the one that's the big follow up or is it cow Legacy is the big one? Cal Legacy is the big follow up.
0: No Man's Land is the Banti Battalion story.
1: Oh right. There we go. Yeah, thank you. Which again is one of those weird things of like for me the surprise of having the bonsai battalion return, um, drawn no less by like the mighty Cam Kennedy, and I'm like, wow, Cam Kennedy's great, but uh, I sure liked Henry Flint on it more, which is kind of surprising, you know. <laughs> and also, I'll,
0: also like while I'm complaining about art for a second, Chris Blythe's art colors. Do not do many people favors, Mm. and I don't think they do Cam Kennedy any favors, to be honest with you.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I think
0: they're too too slick and shiny in a way that just
1: yeah, that's not the way that Kennedy stuff should. Yeah, look. exactly. Yeah. It,
0: it really does not work with, with Kennedy's art, as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned. And Blythe does a lot. Like, Blythe does all the Siku colors as well, which makes me go, I wonder if someone else had colored this. It might have been better.
2: Mm,
1: uh, it's funny uh, because – C- It's, it's unlikely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Like, Siku's stuff was – I just – I assume that as it happened in previous volumes, that the artists were coloring their own material. It really makes me think. Like, literally, Graham – the first thing I do with every uh, uh, case files is I um, I take snapshots of the contents and credit pages so that I can check them for like, oh, what story is this? Who's doing the art here? Yeah, yeah. And I'm shocked by how much I did not bother to notice like, oh, Alan Grant wrote, a, you know, a half dozen of these stories and a good chunk of these were not colored by the original artist. I'm... Shocked! That's really the sort of thing. You were lulled
0: to sleep by this volume, Jeff. <sighs> you know, um, no, but 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 again, you know, Blythe's colors do not help. Mm-hmm. They are, yeah. The only way I can think of, of describing it is they are very much the we've just started learning Photoshop <laughs> to color things. Right. Uh, for anyone, for a, to put it in sort of an American comics context, remember when Malibu Comics started doing comics coloring? Mm-hmm. It's like that. Yeah, it's it, it's very similar to like the, the mid to late 90s comics colors that were appearing in American comics,
2: mm-hmm.
0: where sure, you can, you know, vaguely 3D mold something by adding some shading at the bottom and, and you know, right. I highlight I at the top, but you've not actually thought about like the textures at all. You've not thought about how the page looks overall. And it just it reads weirdly garish. And again, when you're doing like a Cam Kennedy, that on honestly or when you're doing Steve Parkhouse as well, because Parkhouse doesn't colour his own stuff, that's Blythe as well. Mm. Um although I should say that's Blythe when he does Harry Snotter. It's actually Trevor Hairstein when he does i Jovis. And I think you can
1: tell the difference. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I was like, Wow, that's true. Um I you know, for me I think it helps for me it helps that Parkhouse is such uh he's just he's a world-class cartoonist you know what i mean like you've got artists and you've got artists who can cartoon and then you've got cartoonists who can do quote-unquote fine art or whatever but i i parkhouse is just like yeah I'm just – I'm like, I could color him, and it would – I think the results would still look strong because I mean, it's fucking Parkhouse. Park Parkhouse is just – Yeah, he's he's for almost bulletproof, us... you know?
0: Yeah, for people listening to this who have not read, like, the Bo Jeffrey saga – Oh, man. You should because Parkhouse is just a shockingly good cartoonist.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Like, his, his artwork is just – Amazing, like Big Dave. He was doing Big Dave in the early 90s as well, which which I don't think is going to get reprinted. Yes. But, you know, his Big Dave stuff is just a masterclass in how to do cartooning that is caricature of public figures without reading, like, you know, Mad Magazine, where sure it's caricature. But instead of there being any movement on the page or any dynamism, right. you just see put a reference. Mm. And Parkhouse instead is like, okay, I've worked out how to do caricature, but I need these characters to be characters first and foremost. I need them to exist in a space and I need them to act in the story. And he does it.
1: Yeah, I think that's the thing that I find so amazing about Parkhouse is uh, that he is um... – he is, he's one of those, I, and this is the weird thing, is is that there are cartoonists who can put so much personality into just a line. You know what I mean? Like, just a line weight, such that you can have Steve Parkhouse, like, Steve Park, like, I would bet that you could uh, look at, like, Suku's art, and you could look at Steve uh, Parkhouse's art. And you'd be like, okay, there's the exact number of quote-unquote items in this panel, but park and Park House has just as few lines, maybe, but because he's he is just his his cartooning is so assured everything's got such a weight like you're actually you're actually looking at physical creatures in a physical space, like you said it's a whole he can he can world build just by doing. You know, that little wrinkle of alarm raising off someone's head, you know, or just the blank stare of the glasses. Or one of the things that's funny about the Harry Potter thing, of course, is, is that Harry Potter keeps farting, um, which is just the but between the sound effect and what I love is the way that um, the posture that Parkhouse gives that character. Uh, I just I just laugh. Like, I really did. I'm like, oh, this is delightful. Like, this is the stupidest. Like, you get into things where you're like, really? He's just going to go and arrest this person because they're selling drugs in the drug shop? Really? Okay. But, you know, but so goddamn much character in the cartooning. And and that, of course, is, is I think, you know, when these things carry so well it's not surprising that the artists that we talk about a lot here you know someone like colin wilson like parkhouse jesus christ mick mcmahon stuff is great and like mcmahon's that future crimes thing is i mean ridiculous like he is drawing that ridiculously and it's it's fucking great. You know what I mean? Like it somehow elevates the story rather than undercuts it in a way that other people were like, oh, yeah, I mean, that's that's what I'm doing here with. <laughs> no, it, it's amazing. The McMahon
0: stuff, I, and I'm saying this as a compliment, even though it's not going to sound like it, feels like he drew it at maybe a third of the size it's printed at. Yeah, right. No, totally. and that he he decided he was going to abstract everything as much as he could,-, mm-hmm. and it's fucking amazing,
1: yeah, you know it's it it is funny because I think, yeah, it just right exactly it it literally looks like he drew it on bar napkins but but almost as the for the artistic challenge of pulling it off, which he does, yeah, so, yeah. and it's just, and he
0: does, that he does that's exactly right, he does mm
2: hmm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it is it is brilliant. So, yeah, so i i liked the I liked the long game stories, and I liked the art. But um, you you like some of the art, yeah, right? Some of the art that I liked, I liked a lot. Like it's you know, um, and and when you get the point where the story is strong, like, well, let me ask you. Obviously, it sounds like you and I both agree that JD makes a near death experience is pretty great it's a strong wagner story great henry flint art and it is that kind of classic dread like you get to see the society of dread and it is it's a story about block that is slated to be closed and is being protested yeah and, and, and it and it's much more than that which is honestly the
0: reason i love it so much
1: mm-hmm. okay well let's I, I think we should talk about some of the stronger pieces so we're not just bitching. And yeah. like I said. So, I, okay. Yeah.
0: yeah. Let's start with J.D. Maxon. Okay. Um, you go, I, are you aware of the meta text or not? No. So, J.D. Maxon is the magazine.
2: Oh.
1: Ah. Of course. I was wondering Wagner, why the name was Wagner so fucking and Flynn
0: awkward. and are literally telling a story about the fact that the magazine almost got canceled. Mm-hmm. And then didn't, which is why you get the, um, you know, the, the despite our best efforts, J.D. Megson blog has become severely dilapidated, and then you get the caption going. Their best efforts, right? Like they've been ploughing big creds into it. Come on, half of it's recycled because of reprints. All mm. fittings they picked up cheap from Ennis Dillon Connaps, and right. you see preacher in the page, yeah, in the yeah. panel, right, right. Primo stuff, mind quality. Not exactly we'd expect seeing old Mexican, but most of us reckon it fits in pretty good. So and did then they? Die rerun... hard JD Meggers would have taken anything just yeah. so we could go on living here.
1: So did they? Did they rerun Preacher in the Megs? Yes. Oh, see, I didn't know that at all. It just felt like a really weird, um, you know, um, it, it felt it felt like an you know an in joke of the worst kind.
0: No, it's 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 literally. Uh, a a reference it's it's all about the the fact the magazine didn't get cancelled wow Wow. it's it's a meta story about that which is just Mm -hmm. super fun Mm -hmm. right but also for you for the readers who didn't who aren't aware of this it also just reads as a straight up wonderfully enjoyable story about life in mega city one with you know flint doing great art yeah. Like art that at once references Kevin O'Neill, mm-hmm. uh, like McMahon, like Cam Kennedy,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, while also being entirely his own thing. Mm hmm.
2: Mm hmm.
0: You know, but he manages to get all the. There's so much in the art here. Again, you know, sorry to harp on about the art, but like there's a panel there where you see a profile of Dread, and it looks like it could be, could be drawn by Bisley. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. You know? Mm
2: hmm.
0: Yeah. Um,. Yeah, it, it's just, it's great. Oh, I've just, I'm scrolling through it right now and I'm like, oh yeah, and there's the Mechanismo panel and there's the right. reference to America yes. and how Bennett Beanie used to perform in the Megs. And like, mm-hmm. it, it's this, it is this like meta story about wow. like this thing used to be a big deal and then they just didn't pay for it and mm-hmm. it went to shit. Mm. But, but the people who love it, love it and it should live on because of that.
1: Wow. Well, that's amazing because all of that flew right over my head, and, but I still thought it was incredibly well done.
0: Yeah, and and it's but that's that's the joy of it, right? The joy of it is you have this meta text that does not overwhelm the story at all. You know, mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. when you see it, you see it, and honestly, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Right. But if you don't see it, you still just get a great story. Of Mega City One is insane. Right. And Mega City One is home to a tribal culture Mm -hmm. that overwhelms common sense in a way that, you know, does bring to mind, like, block mania, Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. you
0: know, does Mm -hmm. bring to mind, like, you know, again, classic dread, but also acts as a story in and on in and of its own self.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know,
0: I'm with such weird frenetic energy provided by flint as much as anything because i feel like wagner almost underwrites the story and then you get some you know you get some great just you know flint kinetic weird fuckery yeah 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 yeah. going on yeah you know where it's just like this story feels absolutely out of control
1: yeah no (laughs) very much so very much so and like you said there's a lot that's that's packed in there in the terms of i think for me, the other thing that's amazing and and it it helps that this is sort of a destabilized volume of the case files in a way, but that you can get him doing like you said like practically Bisley riffs, and you can see cam kennedy in there there's there's escara in there there's stuff that seems mm-hmm. super escara to me you know and then and yet it all sort of it reads enough of a piece. And I think similarly, in part, like, you know, like the uh, the Ennis Dillon panels on the wall. I was like, wow, that's really like I was like, that's weird. Like there's usually not sort of, you know, like Wagner's given a, a you know, a sort of shout out pat on the back to Ennis and stories before this is really broad. I was like, eh, maybe, you know, it was Ennis is like. 25th birthday or something like I don't know you know and so it was it was uh, the thing like you said that there's the tribal overwhelming experience um, that I think really does sort of put its finger on what's happening with Mega City one I guess Uh, but but also I think that reading through this volume like you said it was like yeah it's it's almost like classic dread except it's not good you know what I mean? Like the Alan Grant stuff is really bad. In but it's recognizable in a way. Like when his best stuff, you're like, oh yeah, that's kind of like a lesser throwaway from the classic days, you know. But I I realize that that there is an element of chaos to dread that is super necessary like and i think it might be part of the resistance in a lot of cases to people trying to get involved in dread in that it's not just like oh this character's got this huge long history but you know you've got stuff that is like i jovis for example the first three pages of it i'm like oh i'm gonna hate this and then i really loved it and i kind of feel like jd makes in the parts that i'm like oh this is this is this is the sort of thing that makes it so hard to tell when you're reading a good Judge Dredd story of what makes it good because there's so many of the same qualities that you see in a bad story and yet somehow it works, right? and Yeah, and and it works in such a way. One of the things that I think it, it
0: does and, you know, you can disagree with me. You can tell me I'm, I'm talking out my ass here. But I think that JD Megson works because it has these qualities that, it shares with the bad ones but you are overwhelmed by it and it seems in constant motion and it seems like it just piles on top and top and top and things feel utterly chaotic right and then when you look at like the alan grant stuff it feels dull and predictable
1: yeah and i yeah I, mm -hmm.
0: i Jovis i think is actually a really good example as well because i too started off like those first two pages and was like oh shit is it a simp story i right. hate simp stories yeah i like i i am i'm i'm not a fan of what's his name desmond snodgrass or whatever he's called right right but then it turns into something else entirely very it much so yeah turns into wagner you know talking about religion and, and talking about how this works in in the 2000 uh i was gonna say 2000 ad setting but mm-hmm. but you know, in the Mega City One setting, in the Dread setting. Right. And being remarkably cynical in yes. such a way that that fits Dreads, but isn't so cynical as to feel
1: uh, gratuitously so. Well, I agree with you, although I would I would flip it a little bit. And I think that, again, part of the beauty of the chaos is, like like you said, when you get someone with Grant, part of it is... He, the jokes aren't funny, but he's also just riffing. Like, there's no, like I said, there's no ending, there's a stopping, right? And so, yeah, it doesn't, in that sense, it doesn't feel um, chaotic. It just kind of feels hackneyed, right? That's why I was like, oh man, as Wagner had like a stroke. Well, also, it also feels a bit uh, desperate. Yeah, it, it feels, it feels, it feels desperate. needy. Yeah. Right, exactly. And so there's there were parts with J.D. Megson with, like, the, the, the preacher panel as the wall ceiling thing, where I'm like, wow, that feels really, like, desperate and needy. You know, in a, like, hey, Garth, give me a call sometime, we'll grab a pint kind of thing. Not realizing that there's actually, like, genuine subtext beneath it. But I guess what I'm saying is, is part of the charms of Dread is that that chaos you don't necessarily know what you're going to get but the the chaos on the page that you point out about of course a huge part of that is um henry flint and just everything that he puts on on the page and yet still makes it readable is wagner throws all sorts of shit at you but it's but there's also the underlying point. Like he's got that whole thing of all the suicides jumping off the, the building. And um, the guy singing, I did it my way on the way down, you know. And it's, 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 it it is. It's just like chaos. It's literal just sort of chaos on the page. But it's not like, hmm, how do I put it? But that insanity is all building toward a point, you know, yes, or it's is the, the insanity point.
0: Insanity is the point.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so one of the things for me about I Jovis is great is it starts off and you're like, oh, this is going to be just a recycled, like, even with the ooh, er, like, it was like, oh, man, it's just going to be sort of a broad, cynical riff. And the thing that's really, to me, that's great about it is you take Snodgrass and he really does have the powers of God, and suddenly you have people who are being healed, and people who are coming back from the dead and Snodgrass himself is being like being genuinely christ like and I guess the and that, thing that, that does not fit <laughs> right well and and so I guess the thing is is of course I guess. If Wagner had just written an incredibly cynical story of like, oh yeah, Jesus comes back and and you don't and 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 Mega City One is just so fucked up. God's like, never mind. Like that great. Like he's like, why would I want these dorks up here with me? You know, which was great. And and but what hel- what helps is. Because Snodgrass actually becomes a real person in the course of those pages, when the story is over, like you kind of do feel the regret and the 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 bitterness at the heart of the cynicism. You know what I mean? It's not just cynical. Like, and who knows? Wagner, well, yeah, I think, and, and is it, not. It,
0: yeah, it's not cynically cynical for one. Right. Of, like uh, that sounds tautology, but it's not cynical because that makes a funny story. Mm-hmm. And it's not cynical because, you know, it's dread and so, you know, everyone's a simp. Mm-hmm. It's not that at all. It's, uh, for what, a better way of putting it, authentically cynical. Well, it's right. It's, it feels like Wagner is legitimately going, yeah, okay, but these people are, these people would ruin everything. Right. You know, the, these people would genuinely miss the point and and do this you know
1: right no exactly exactly there it that instead of the the standard trope that you would expect from wagner about religion which is the sort of cynical thing that you kind of have at the end where like all the priests come in and they're like we don't know that guy. We don't want anything to do with him. And they're like, well, we're going to keep him locked up. If he, what if he's really Jovis? Isn't they're like, Oh, all the better. We don't need the competition. You know, that sort of cynical thing is a little bit of kind of what I would expect. The idea of like, Oh yeah, religion. It's a mugs game, you know, is what I would expect from Wagner. And rather what Wagner is saying, which is really kind of sad. And he puts sort of a, uh, a bit of dark humor on it is, is the idea that, that religious grace is actually lost on us, you know, and that's kind of a far, I don't know how to describe it. It's not, it's not the same cynical take that I was expecting. And of course, what I really like is, is that Wagner also takes the character that you and I both went, Oh, fucking that guy. And by the end of it, I felt I really did feel for him you know you what do, i mean yeah, yeah yeah the the very the very end of it is, yeah. is him
0: realizing that like what he's lost uh not not purely in terms of of the power mm-hmm. but also in terms of his
1: freedom right exactly like he's he is worse off and and so you also do get to a part of the idea that god is uh f- that if there is a god that he is incredibly fickle you know and and so there's there's just there's a there's kind of a surprising number of layers that helps that it's kind of tied to a genuine heart and i think those are the parts uh in in this volume in a lot of cases where even with jd mixon you know it's it's an allegory but um and it's it's sort of a, a wacky chaotic Dark comedy of one, but there's also just genuine. Um, there's also some 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 genuine feeling there that isn't just yeah yeah yes yeah, yeah. right you know which is, is not. What I,
0: I'm yeah. I'm genuinely curious mm-hmm. because the the towards the end of I Jovis, you basically have dread um, express. I don't know. Doubt in a strange way, mm-hmm. uh, insofar as he admits that he has the capacity to, to a faith, front mm-hmm. end of a better way of putting it, mm-hmm. uh, and when I read that, I appreciated it for its own right, but also I've got to be honest, was like, is Jeff going to hate this moment? <laughs> Why?
1: Because it's because it feels like a judge
0: dad moment. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Because I I feel like it's it's one of those things where, you know, like I I feel that for the last few few episodes, you have seen Waker almost break character with Dread mm-hmm. in order to create a moment,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and you know, on in almost every case, a moment that you don't appreciate, right, <laughs> right, right. A, a moment where you're like, no, he's gone too far. Like Dread wouldn't do this, and also you're like you're you're. You're you're not helping Dredd here. Mm-hmm. Um and I wondered if this was an example of that for you. Um, you have like, have yeah. Dread stand in front of the Judicial Committee on Religious Affairs to essentially say, like, it definitely looked like he was performing miracles and maybe he was, because I have seen things that I can't explain, and this is one of those things that I can't explain.
1: Yeah, no, no, that actually dread uh Dread, in some ways, is uh, frustrating for me in the opposite. Which is to say, I bitch about Judge Dad, um, but uh, because I do think that Wagner has to walk a fine line, and and usually does. And it's if it goes too far, it's Judge Dad. If it goes too far, it's, I don't know, it's Mega Dread or whatever. Like, it's just... It's just the fascist. Like there's some, there is some shit in here in this volume where dread is, um, like, weirdly capricious. Like I, I think I talked about how much I love the art, Mick McMahon's art in that McMahon story. But you also kind of have a scene where Judge Dread, like, literally shoots a litter bug or Jay Walker through the leg or something. And it just seems, um, it seems, it seems weirdly out of place for Dread. And part of me is like, okay, well, that's kind of, it's, I mean, it's a very, very cartoony story. But, like, you look at something that, like, the the amazing, just as cartoony Screamer story, um, mm-hmm. with, you know. And Dread, I think, is very recognizably Dread in that. And I, um the thing that was hard for me in I Jovis is honestly the fact that he more or less turns around and, and starts cracking heads like everything, whether or not everything was going to get, it was, it was in the process of falling apart, but, but dread essentially says, okay, that's enough i've i this is this is it, like kind of like resurrect someone on his own time, oh, and he shoots someone, he just shoots someone through the head for stealing a bag, which I think is other readers have point you know pointed out on threads uh our our threads on our show notes is dread rarely kills anyone in the line of duty, certainly not in a he stole my bag, and somebody. Shoots him. Like someone literally says, you don't need to kill him. And, and the judge says, shut your mouth. And that is the sort of thing that usually you would get the non like you'd have dread in another judge. And it was the other judge who did. it. OK, that, but right? but it is the other judge. It's not. It? No, 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 no. There's two judges there. There's the judge. Who's oh, for hand so, for some reason, oh, you're, you're totally yeah. right. For some reason, I read that as the
0: other judge. Right, I, th- I read it as the judge who had his hand uh, recovered, but I'm looking at the page now. You're right. It is dread.
1: Yeah, it's dread. And so similarly, there is a point where, um, where dread's like, okay, that's it. Let's close this down. Somebody starts shooting other people and dread shoots him and that's fine. But, you know, essentially as Jovis is getting ready to do another miracle, um you know uh basically dread says the resurrection can keep you're coming with me and the whole thing just really falls apart what, and and at the and so what saves it from really being a judge dad moment for me is is that is dread says in that speech that you're talking about with the head of the panel saying I can't explain the Sisters of Death or the Dark Judges. I don't know how mean Angel could come back to life or a man can die from jigsaw disease. In this job, I've seen a lot of things I can't explain. way I look at it is best to leave the figuring out to someone else and get on with the business of breaking heads. And so it's maybe the getting on with the business of breaking heads. I'm like, on the wet hand, saves it from being a Judge Dad moment. But weirdly, the there's there's too much of 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 rabid dread in in i jovis weirdly like there's periods where he's sort of like when jovis first comes up and they're like dread are we should we shut this down he's like it's it's not hurting anyone for now you know like it's always weird when dread takes a moderating influence um and he really whipsaws back and forth in I, Jovis. So weirdly, yeah, I yeah. guess I would say for me... uh I, like, I, that just balances out some of the absolutely yeah. savage dread. Are, are well, elsewhere. see, that's it. I, in, in other words, yeah, I, Jovis feels like dread is more of a, pl- a plot mechanism or a plot hammer than mm. he is a, a, an actual character uh, that, that Wagner is invested in. You know what I mean? So Yeah. So yeah. My objections are the same but different, I guess. Is a super uh, long way of saying that. I want to talk
0: about another couple of, of stories I liked here. Um, sure. that we've both that we've touched on already. Mm-hmm. Uh Future Crimes and Opal's Act. Yeah. Uh Future Crimes is by Wagner and McMahon, Opal's Act is Grant and Cam Kennedy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Both of which were published in Proc two thousand. Right. Which was 2080s – um Millennium Ending issue. Mm. Uh, it was a special issue. It had, I might be misremembering, but I'm fairly sure it had like Dave Gibbons coming back to a was in there. Right. I think Pat Mills and Kevin O'Neill did a nemesis in that issue as well. Right. Um, it was a big deal. Like it, it was a, a, you know, significant issue. And you get these two Dread stories, both of which I feel deal with Dread almost as uh, meta dread. Future crimes feels like it is Wagner addressing uh not only things like minority report, right the idea of like pre crime, yeah, but also like that feels like a very cliched dread idea, even though yes. it's not something they've done before, but the mm-hmm. idea of like arresting someone for a crime they will commit right feels like a very dread idea, and I think Wagner basically takes a piss out of it for six pages. Yeah. In a way that honestly I love. I mm-hmm. really love future crimes because it is so over the top. Right. You know, and, and uh the, the 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 joke, the punchline is that it was literally the judges arresting the guy in the first place that led him to commit the crime that they were arresting him for. Right. Right. And and so Tread ends up by being like, Tell the pre crime department they've got some more work to do. Yuck 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 <laughs> but I love it as, like, a comedy romp, for a better way of putting it. And mm-hmm. it, it is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the poor fucker who gets arrested accidentally gets involved in a jailbreak, you know? Right. Like, all these things happen to him as a result of him being arrested in the first place. And he's continually protesting his innocence until, at the end, he accidentally commits the crime. So he has actually done the crime, yeah. you know, this circular notion. I think yeah. it's very fun. Paul yep. oh, Powell's act, on the other hand, is Grant, you know, A, going, John Wagner's great, right. he's kept Red going for ages, wouldn't it be fun if Dread faces off against Wagner, in such a way that is just dumb enough for me to really enjoy. Oh, yeah. Like, Wagner in the bath yes like gunning down dread yeah then the bat takes off yes the flying bathtub Mm -hmm. right exactly kenny's art kenny's art literally makes it right it's it's fucking lovely artwork but But it also feels very much like meta dread and especially in the 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 you know again punchline or epilogue whichever way you look at it we're in it's revealed that it's all a, a dream sequence because Wagner's brain is dreaming it because he's basically had his brain, you know, right. preserved.
1: <laughs> right. Well, or, or even the really, the really, I do like how much they, um, they, they, they say he was a clever guy, used the money he made from writing to preserve his brain uh, after death until he could earn enough to buy a new body. He forgot one thing though brains can't write, they ain't got no hands, and there's just something so um that's such a funny dumb thing like it's it's yeah, just
0: no, no. it's it, it's such a funny dumb story
1: right. right, right, but it also does help that it's a story you know in in that yeah, sense of like me it bitching it about like what it. grant going with this stuff at least Grant is like, okay, I'm going to literally have this really goofy." stuff happen and then i'm also going to quote unquote explain it and i thought that that was really um i thought that i thought that was very clever there's something but, but that's, yeah that's, that's
0: part of the joy right that right that it's one of the few grant stories where he's telling a joke and the joke is a punchline and that's all you need for a joke
1: right
2: well
0: you know what i mean uh
1: yes although like unlike the Harry Farter story or whatever, which again is just a series of whatever's the punchline also quote, unquote, doesn't break dread. The thing that I like about those two meta dread stories is they don't, they don't, they, they do a thing that I think, um, the dread that you, that people who read a lot of dreads, I guess can end up taking, for granted and or more or less wanting to always kind of like Grant kind of fully overturns the apple cart in his stories. And there's something that's like, that's just dumb. And one of the things that I thought was always great about how dread sort of takes dumb humor and builds it into the DNA of the strip is you can get really stupid and then you can just kind of retweak one thing and it all makes sense. So you can literally have Wagner have a showdown in a flying bathtub with dread. And then the very last page is like, oh, right. Because Wagner's had his brain, you know, preserved in a jar after death and it's hallucinating. Like, Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know,
0: it almost excuses the ridiculousness, right? Right. It's and like, that's... You, got, right. you get to have your, your cake and eat it.
1: Exactly. And like, that this, was This is
0: ridiculous, but don't worry you guys. It's not real.
1: Right. Right, whereas and the flip side of the the future crime story is that idea of like at the end of it it's like, "Oh yeah, no, they're not going to do this because what they're finding is is that implementing the system is what's causing the people to create the crimes and so therefore like it's a fun little punchline in the circularity but it also is a very neat sewing up reset button type thing. Yes, you know it's I mean? it's a
0: way of saying you, okay, we're not going to do this.
1: Right, exactly. Exactly. You don't have to worry it, it about this once, being the next it is a, mechanism.
0: a fun rom, but it yeah. is also a smart way of saying this is why we're not going to do the story.
1: Right, exactly. Exactly. And so so I really do like I feel I feel like this volume is such a um, masterclass on how to riff with the i with unfortunately a lot of negative examples. You know, like there's a ton of riffing in here where you're like, oh, no, this, don't this, do it this like whole this. Book is, it's
0: is is a very weird thing of mm-hmm. you know how to do dread well and how to do dread poorly. Yes. And, and sometimes it's literally two stories by the same people back to back.
1: Yeah, exactly. Or sometimes, as in the case of Dead Ringer, it's one story. So, uh, or maybe that's too harsh. Can we talk about Dead Ringer? Or there are other stories that you wanted to mention? I... Um,
0: I'm i trying to think what, you know, if there's any other favorites that I really, really want to call out. And, and you know, I've covered my favorites. I'm, I'm sort of jumping ahead from from. You know the what's your favorite stories, but you know we've talked about them. Voltface is a favorite. Future Crimes is a favorite. Old Pals Act and JD Maxon. Those are my four favorites from the volume. Mm, and Voltface, mm-hmm. uh, Voltface. Again, I like uh, for the cynicism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love the idea that it is just like openly going. Yeah, of course they're going to. You know, they can't say we made a mistake. The 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 suicide of a chief judge cannot go out to the world. So we'll just create a mythology where he was such a hero. Mm-hmm. That he sacrificed himself for the greater good, right? You know what I mean. Like it, it's, it's there, there's something about that that I do just genuinely appreciate. That that just how how um, cynical it is, but also how cynical in such a way of saying, of course, the judges can't admit defeat. Right.
1: Well, and and I think a, a, a bit of a further extension of that that I actually like is that. You know, DeMarco is there um, to basically be like, you know, you guys just, you know, start the way you mean to go on. You know, it's like nothing's changed. Narcos has come and gone and you're still telling lies. And I kind of like that DeMarco doesn't really. It's like the next to the last page. But she's like, yeah, it, you know, all these years all those years and i never saw through it beats me how see you around joe and i really like that it's not super it's not super preachy about it but it really does point out that um you know that the system is is still is is corrupt is fucked that the, the problem are the judges inability to own up to the judges and and i think that it will be really interesting to me with the long game of what happens with Hershey. You know, what happens with Hershey seems like it could be very uh, important here. And Grant, I uh, sorry, Wagner, I feel, is alluding to it in that way of like the fact that the judges are, are being dishonest and... Essentially engaging in a cover-up just to make things look better means that all of this shit is going to
2: run right aground again.
1: Even though this volume also has Hershey being like, yeah, I'm fucking getting rid of Edgar and we're shutting this stuff down. Like, even the mechanisms that you see moving throughout that, which is, you know, Buell, who we encountered, you know, back at... Uh, the pit and is a buddy of DeMarco and is therefore coded as a friendly and on the right side. And yet all of the brutal shakedowns of the other judges that he's doing, you're like, this can't be good. This doesn't feel right, you know? And so I, I, I like how much, when Wagner is doing here for, for the long game stuff is he's rebalancing the scales, but he's already pointing in directions that you're like, Oh, is this, you know, essentially, is this all going to be set up to, to all run to shit again? And is, and, and will it clearly be the judge's own fucking fault when it comes to happen? So,
0: I mean, I'm trying to think where we are. We're some distance away from origins.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: which
0: I want to say is like Proc 1500. So like we're, you know, we are, you know, 400 odd issues away. Right. But I think in many ways, what you're talking about is stuff that he deals with in Origins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that Wagner has a soft spot for Hershey. Yeah. Um, And while he puts Hershey through the ringer as a chief judge,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I also feel that he almost plays Hershey in the same way as he plays Dredd. hmm
2: hmm
0: Right? Yeah. There is there is a sense, for me at least, right? that Hershey is uh, maybe not, you know, the moral absolute that Dredd is, mm-hmm. but Hershey is clearly one of the good guys. Oh, absolutely. Clearly, mm-hmm. No, but, but also not likely to get lost in the politics
1: mm-hmm.
0: of being a chief judge. Right. Yeah. You know, so I, I think that he tips his hand a bit with Hershey's almost disinterest in the job.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: Hershey sees it as serving. Hershey yes. doesn't see it as like something that she wants herself.
2: Mm hmm. Mm
0: hmm. And I I think that that is something that, that Wagner is almost sort of winking at the at the audience and going, no, you can, you can trust her. Right. Because, I mean, by, the, by this point, we've had, I mean, since what? Silver? We've had mm-hmm. a series of chief judges who are flaws in different ways. What was seen as weak, Magruder was, you know, nuts by the end of it. But, like, nuts in a particularly dangerous way. Paranoid, secretive. Right. Uh, and, and more interested in amassing a secret power base than anything else. And you could argue that there's no way to be a benign chief judge the way that the system's set up.
2: Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm.
0: there is a lesser of evils. You
2: well... Know, I mean, Yes,
1: and don't I think, think that's don't,
0: important. Don't think yes. he's, he's presenting Hershey as a lesser of evils? Um, e- even as DeMarco even as is, I think, successfully saying this entire system is corrupt, even as, even as he is doing that, I think he is also setting Hershey up as, but if you have to have a chief judge, this is the chief judge you want.
1: Right. Well, and that's the, exactly, and that's what I think is nice about it. all of that is like all the stuff I'm saying of like, Oh yeah, it could be the long game. The long game could just be Wagner hitting sort of the reset button. You know what I mean? Like you said, it could be like, yeah, you got Hershey in charge and essentially, you know, even though I am really fucking good at police and corrupt judge stories, I don't really want to do that. So I'm just going to close this down, you know, or he's like leaving the door for the future. What's, pretty nice about it is is that um there's just there's just enough in there if DeMarco wasn't there being like yeah this is bad like you'd be like oh this is really good and you see all this stuff that's really good and like I said the stuff with um where they take down Edgar really and Edgar almost doesn't get taken down is I thought incredibly well handled because you just got stuff of like oh, this doesn't look right. But again, it doesn't look right in a way that reads like, oh, Buell's going to be like the next big, the next big bad. You know what I mean? Or maybe not. Maybe it's just pointing toward. What I like about it is is there's a lot of, um, there's enough in there that you can interpret in a number of ways. My thing about, that I always sort of wring my hands about, is, is that, I feel that the chief judge stuff kind of always ends up being fet accompli after the fact. Like Wagner tells you what was really wrong with the character, and then you're like, "Oh yeah, I guess I guess I can kind of see that." You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, sure. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and and particularly some of the stuff with Volt and Silver, and I was like, "Sure, if you say so." You know what I mean? And and again, I mean, the Volt stuff was very underplayed. Yes, right. the whole right. stuff
0: only really came up as basically Wagner was winding up to get rid of them.
1: Right, exactly. So for me I'm kind of like sure, you know, one of the things I like about Hershey is Hershey, I mean, I'm not following the magazine, so you know, the the rest of sto- the stories taking place in Mega City 1 for all I, you know. I this this could be after 4 years of separate Judge Hershey stories running in there. I don't know. But for me, there is that thing of like, yeah, Hershey, you can tell Wagner has a fondness for Hershey and Hershey has stuck around and usually sticking around in a judge dread strip, like quote unquote means something, you know, like, which is, which is great. It's not like a soap opera where everyone, you know, Nobody ever dies, or you know what I mean like it 's like yeah, people die or they just leave, or you know maybe they show up at the weirdest moment, but then they disappear again and it's and it's it's not nearly as um as coronation street i guess as as you might expect it to be um so seeing Hershey in there, Hershey has significance, but what I like about it is for me i 'm not sure what that significance might be. Like you said, yeah. it could be like, oh yeah, okay, like all clear, storms over. You know, certainly with Edgar being put away, and Edgar has been the, you know, the 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 big storm front on the horizon for a long time. Um, having that turn around and be like, nope, looks like she's done. You know, is you can take it any number of ways, and one of the things that you can take it at is face value, which I really do appreciate. So I appreciate us talking about it. I don't want to be like, Oh, it's great. Cause you can totally tell how like Wagner's setting it up to say, like the system is fucked. The justice system is fucked. Cause he, he may not be saying that, but you know, like saying that, getting ready to say that down the road. One of the things I that I, you give Wagner credit for is there are times when he may not have decided what he's going to say. You know what I mean, and he puts, he he he's so good at kind of tucking things away for later.
0: He's very good at putting pieces on board, and, yeah. and you know either he doesn't know what he's doing or he's playing it really close to his vest. Right, but there, are, you know, there are things when you're like that feels that feels important, that feels significant, and and one of the things though in this volume is like I think Demarco's appearance in Face yeah. Like, like feels important. And it's not like this is the last time DeMarco appears in dread. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, which is right. kind of amazing. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because she does end that story. Seeming like she is going to be an important moral counterpoint in the strip. No, in the Cal legacy in, in getting rid of Edgar, it seems as if Edgar has been dealt with, and and that's not entirely true, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Edgar will return, mm-hmm. but you can see things being put in place.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: and sometimes it's like it's dumb things being put in place.
2: Sure.
0: You know, like you know, seeing Banzai Battalion
1: come back, seeing Banzai Battalion come back, or or realizing how much the serial killer is the serial killer who doesn't get caught is such a favorite Wagner trope. Well, PJ, maybe, but like whatever it is with the horrible fucking awful art, the, the, the shut in serial killer. Yeah. Well, there's the the angel. angel. Well, no, no, no. In this volume, there's the, there's the big chubby guy who's like boiling TV stars or whatever and is not caught at the end. Right, oh, like,
0: right. yeah, 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 yeah. Right,
1: and it's another yeah, yeah. serial killer that everyone just sort of overlooks, and you're like, "Well, that'll probably, maybe it'll get dealt with." I don't know, but it is weird that that's, um, that's such a weird Wagner trope, right? So, I did want to mention Short Circuit and Lobsang Sang Rampage as stories that, um weren't necessarily super great, but w- w- I thought worked really well in part because you've got Colin Wilson doing the art for Short Circuit, and I thought Andy Clark did a did a really good job with Lob Sang Rampage as well. They're both. I've got I've got a lot of time for Andy Clark's art. I I
0: think Andy Clark is is a really underrated artist.
1: Oh yeah, because in this story, it's fabulous. He's doing stuff in there where it's just like shit um he,
0: he did he did a bunch of stuff for dc in like the early 2000s i think oh um and and like he's he is like to my money like massively underrated
1: completely well i mean i haven't i i don't reckon i i there's other stuff of his i'll have to dig that stuff up but the stuff here i was totally like yeah he's he's ready to go the distance he's the the that was fantastic um, so, I just wanted to shout those out as, um, you know, do, should we talk about the return of Stan Lee and racism, or do we not need to?
0: See, part of I me is like, is... let's not, because, hey, mm-hmm. it's another Alan Grant story.
1: Oh, is and it Grant? It, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, it is. Uh,
0: and it's, you know, I feel like we've, we've badmouthed Alan. I was going to say we've badmouthed Alan Grant enough. Maybe we've not, though. But uh, <laughs> suffice to say, Stan Lee comes back in an Alan Grant written story, and it is. Uh, as bad as you expect.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that is not good. Um, And then who knows? Maybe we don't need to talk about Dead Ringer. I I would like to talk about it a little bit in part because of um, just of what a weird thing it is and isn't, you know, Um, for me. Uh, Yeah, okay. I've got to be honest. Dead Ringer for me is
0: pretty much a non-starter with the exception of I always like seeing Duncan for Grado art.
1: Duncan for Grado's art is fabulous. And so for me, you sort of start in on it. Okay, so... So for me, I would if I have to sum it up, which why not? Sure. I can do some work on this podcast every once in a while, even though I can't read credits. Dead Ringer is the concluding story of this storyline. It runs from it was published in the magazine uh, of issues 64 through 69 of, uh, of volume three. And as Graham mentioned, it has art by Duncan Figrito Jock, Wayne Reynolds, Simon Colby, Anthony Williams, Ben Oliver, and Richard Elson. It is a John Wagner script. It is such a weirdly big sprawling piece um, that I have such, uh, kind of a hard time wrapping my brain around because what <laughs> it... It goes all over the fucking show. It, it really does. It starts off in the first couple of pages, which again, beautifully da- drawn with Duncan Fagreta with essentially what appears to be a Prince and the Pauper setup. In the course of visiting Mega City One, um, an important diplomatic figure uh, is you know basically done in by the very Mega City Oneness of Mega City One. Um, is put into a terrible i believe is is either going to die but even if they do live there's going to be they're going to be a virtual vegetable um they have to have this is the president of the Eastern European Enclaves was here to conclude a trillion credit trade deal with the city this attack puts everything in jeopardy and so th- what ends up happening is um In the Prince and the Pauper-like way, there is a Mega City One uh, resident, Jefferson Jiggs, who is basically a clone, as is the president, from the same clone stock. And so, is an identical uh, double. And so, the judges hatch Operation uh, Doppel-Doppler to grab Jiggs and um, basically have him pose... As the president of the EEE um, and conduct the trade officials. Now, one of the things that is, I thought, sort of strangely amusing is again, classic Prince and the Popper setup. However, Dread is sent to pick up Jigs. Jigs, finding out that the judges are after him, decides to panic and run because, of course, nobody in Mega City 1 trusts that a judge is going to treat them impartially. Yes. And what you get is what feels like to me weirdly John Wagner kinda of taking the piss on the idea of the Judge Dread Mega Prog, which is strange because Oh what... it's it's like a parody of Judge Child. Yeah, right? Very much so. To the point where they actually return to one of the, they do a sequel to one of the little nested stories within Judge Child, which is insane after so long has passed. But one of the things I both like about it and wonder about it is knowing, of course, 2000 AD had the 2000. Come out, Prague 2000 for the year 2000, and there was the very genius idea of essentially making it a triple-sized issue, putting all this work into it, and and having the longer development time to make it. You know, in other words, taking the other weeklies off the schedule, pricing it super high, and leaving it on the stands for twice as, uh, three times as long, which paid off hugely for them. Uh, un uns- unsurprisingly, David Bishop, who is the editor under this situation, spends no amount of t- small amount of time in uh, Throw Power Overload, his book about the history of 2000 AD, talking about what a substantial um, achievement and game changer this this was. That essentially the oversized, um, the oversized issue. Then becomes kind of a staple of the two thousand a d um uh, uh, publishing plan for yeah it, it, it comes out
0: it becomes a tradition that that with that one issue it then happens yeah. every every
1: every year, year or whatever yeah. yeah so one of the things that I think is fascinating about uh dead ringer is um it really has Wagner writing a uh, this weird parodic Parody a uh, parody of the sort of stuff that he used to do. And what's weird is because there's such a strong element of humor and parody and dread anyway. Part of me is like, do I feel like I'm being like, am, am I just, am I parsing this wrong? Like, is it just that it's supposed to be read as a straight up mega prog? And I'm glad that you mentioned it. It feels like a parody. It feels like a pastiche. It also feels like it could have been a sort of fabulous, rollicking intro to Judge Dredd. Like sort of as a jumping on story in that it's a story that swings all throughout the, it's, it, you know, it starts in Mega City one, it goes out to the cursed earth with the hell trekkers. Then it ends up in space then you've got ridiculous number of space shenanigans. You end up having you've got the return of Umpty. You've got the return of the ape guy who was trying to court his the artist trying to court his lady love um back in the Judge Child series. We get we get a we get a total sequel to that. We get Mechanismo, we get the uh the Oh you not you get like it feels it feels like you get, you
0: know, dreads greatest hits but in such yeah. a way that it does like it does feel like if not a parody then like a loving tribute to it's it's a very strange thing it you know right we talked before about how Grant's stuff feels like you know classic dread but not and this feels very knowingly calling mm-hmm. back to all that stuff right it doesn't feel like they're doing a rehash as much as they're like you know hey let's go back here hey let's go back here and they know exactly what they're doing
1: mm-hmm mm-hmm, yeah, no, very much so you you know what it reminds me this is probably a bad uh analogy in part because I'm an American dude and therefore shouldn't necessarily be making it, but like you know how um what's that damn thing called that's still a thing over in the u k the monthly uh the the annual Christmas thing to raise money for the it's 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 not laugh aid what's it called oh comic relief comic relief right so it feels like a comic relief judge dread thing in that you know you get comic relief will do these sort of really broad parodies of popular shows, but because it's done to raise money for charity, the stars of and writers and directors of the popular shows. Sort of Genesis do them- themselves, self. and yeah. So it almost feels like a comic relief Judge Dread strip. You know what I mean? Like it's sort of, it's 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 all the creators, and it's all legit, and it's all stamped with something. But it also feels like you said, sort of, almost weirdly lovingly. I remember, is like seven or eight volumes back. Um, I loved a John Smith story that you thought just had tons of empty shout outs. And I'm like, no, 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 it's a zombie story. And it's about fandom. And you're like, sure, whatever, Jeff. It's interesting how many really deep cuts Wagner breaks out here complete to a story that he and either he or he and Grant wrote in verse. And the sequel is done in verse and and the shifting nature of all the artists making it feel more like a jam strip, like the world's longest jam strip, you know?
0: Um, yeah, and it feels like one that at least for the crossover between uh, Fregredo and Jock, like Jock seems to be working in Fregredo style, mm. mm-hmm. like his own, which I think is really interesting. Like it, it feels like it is uh, a collaboration, for want of a better way of saying that.
1: Right, I uh, I so don't like Jock's uh, comic storytelling. I understand his design chops are well respected. But... I I think Jock is is a
0: great cover artist, right? And I don't think he's a particularly good
1: sequential artist. I I don't think so either. So a lot of his work in here, I was for me, it was like you start off with the pure octane of of Duncan Fagrito and then suddenly you're just like, wait, what what happened? Why is this sort of and then you're kind of like oh it's fine and then i don't know it's just it's you get parts where it goes you know it can work its way back up to competence or whatever but um it's a fun story but the weird part is it also feels feels like i said weirdly ersatz i guess and so i am kind of fixated maybe we don't have to talk about it much but i assume well, i mean, wasn't you say alone that in after that i've just spent like Ten minutes talking about it. That's just that's just me clearing my throat, Graham. You know that. The listeners know that. That that could be the beginning of forty five minutes for me. I guess what I'm saying is so it sounds like I'm not alone. That like Dead Ringer is weird, right?
0: It is weird and it's it's not it's simultaneously not bad, and yet it feels entirely superfluous. Mm-hmm. It feels entirely like, you know, that's fine, right? Right. Or, or maybe that's just me. Like, I it, it. You know, I enjoy it as a concept more than I enjoy the actuality, the actuality of it. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, know? I can see that. Like, mm-hmm. I, 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 I appreciate the idea of what you and I both seem to think it is, but that mm-hmm. might not actually be what it is in reality.
1: Right. Right. You in know? other, yeah. Yeah. Which is weird, because again, by the time you get to the end of it, after everything that I've said, you do end up getting sort of your Prince and the Popper riff. You do end up getting Wagner's super cynical take on it, and you do end up having a little oh, it's all come full circle with sort of a, a kind of dark irony to it. So it's 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 not terrible, but it is it is weird how much it is it feels like the new Coke to, to some of the more classic Coke that we've been getting in here. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, and, and again, part of me is like, I don't want to drag it out too long, and I clearly am. But just the weird fact that you spend that many pages, you've got that many artists, and, and that Wagner puts in so much, he does so many things that he's normally so reluctant to do. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I just feel like it is really rare that you get um Wagner being like, "Yeah, okay, I'll bring back Umpty." You know what I mean? Like and I'll bring back the 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 caveman poet so I can do a, a follow-up to that, you know, and I'll have Dread dressed up as a, a ninja and you know, it just it I, and it, it's weird for me that it it was doing all of this material in a way that seemed eager to please and also so clearly shouting out quote unquote classic dread you know like the yeah, yeah. the horned king of the testosterone women page you know it's a splash page that is in that grand tradition of judge dread doing a silver age comics riff you know so there's just so much that's there and yet for, for no real reason that i can tell i'm just kind of like i just find myself looking at it being but why and why now and what was going on like what so those are my questions and i went online couldn't find anything so listeners uh there's so many uh, crucial voices that make a point to chime in and provide so much needed context. Yeah.
0: Because I think this is one where
1: like you and I are both like, I feel like we're both missing context for this story. Right. It's what it feels like. Sort of like if you you had the piece about JD makes which of course, even saying that out loud, I'm like, that was staring me right in the face. And I missed it where I'm like, Oh, okay. That all makes sense. But without it, I'm like, Something feels off, and it feels that way about this this final piece. Does anyone have context? If so, please, I'm begging you, drop by, shoot us a comment, you know, like put Jeff out of his misery. Put Graham out of – put put Jeff out of Graham's misery, I think is maybe the, the appropriate way to put it. I don't know.
0: Let's put each other out of each other's
2: misery. <laughs> Jeff.
0: Um, yes. I'm, I'm going to bring this – I'm going to start bringing this to close.
1: But, uh, so as part of that – First of all, Drock or Dross. I realized at a certain point that you were gonna ask that and I don't know what I would say. Answer. Yeah, I don't know. I, I part of me is like kinda of like, yeah, sure, Drock. I'm like, uh eh. it it is the most drossiest Drock in quite a while that I've ever I'm I think I'm the problem is the stuff that I do like, but there's not enough of it. But the art's good. But eh, you know what? I'm going to be crazy, and I'm going to go Dross. I'm going to go Dross with this one. I'm also going to go Dross. Interesting. And, okay. and I,
0: mm-hmm. I actually like. I enjoyed this volume. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I think I'm going to go Dross because yeah. I, 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 there's a lot. There are actually good stories in here. Mm-hmm you know mm-hmm. and there's there's a lot of fun to be found and I enjoyed it but this is this is not the best
1: yeah it's it's you know? really a, it's the worst volume that that I think has come out in a while of the complete case files and and I also think that we wouldn't hesitate if we hadn't had what one or two months off from from reading the case files like we did you know uh strontium dog last month and then i don't remember if we took a month off or what happened it just feels like it's been a while and i feel like if this had been part of you know where i'd read uh, uh complete case files the month before and one the month before and one the month before i'd be like oh yeah the quality on this is clearly lacking as it is i'm like yeah i kind of feel like i'm being a big meanie but yeah i think you're right dross um do you want to choose you 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 sort of i've already said my favorite stories yeah right and i guess i I already have as well oh did i not say them i it's tough i think i think it's tough because i i I think it's probably going to be i jovis weirdly enough because i because goddamn parkhouse's art is fabulous And Wagner went some different places in it. But having said that, I say that I think I enjoyed this volume of long game Dread material much more than previous volumes. Um, Which it's funny because I, I do still think that this
0: is in terms of long game. This is like a really slight volume. Even if it's just wrapping
1: up some of the long game, just the, the stuff that gets brought up in putting Hershey on the board and taking Edgar off the board was done in satisfying ways at every step of the way, you know? And it also helped that the art on it was top-notch, you know? Like, you get Colin Wilson doing the majority of it. Um, Colin
0: Wilson's stuff again. Like, I sang his praises last time with Colin Wilson. Right. So fucking good.
1: Yeah, exactly. And his stuff is like the Colin Nelson uh, stuff here, here is, is just yeah. great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of great g- lot of great art and it's amazing that it, to give it a direction. And a lot
0: of that. terrible art. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Honestly
0: it for me it really does come down to like when the art is bad, it's terrible. And because you have honestly, so many Alan Grant stories. Yeah. Like you 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 feel the thoughts you feel the failures here
1: really yeah, hard very very much so very much so and we so, didn't even really so talk about uh something like incident at rowdy yates which brings back walter which is normally a a, a source of some discussion for us we just kind of passed right over that uh yes which again... we did didn't we? <laughs> you sound unsurprised um, and so all of which is to say, like, there's some strong material here from Wagner, but there's also some surprisingly weak stuff. And so, like you said, the art really does help carry some necessary stuff over the finish line or just drops it and leaves it to die in a gully. So, yeah, it's it's kind of crucial, this volume.
0: Which is to say, yeah, unless you're unless you are reading the whole thing like we are i think it's fine to skip this yeah i think so too i, do. I think I, so I, too. I think this is, mm-hmm. i think this is an eminently skippable
2: yeah book.
1: yeah i i would say that is completely right it's like 290 pages of it and i would i would be shocked if you could scrape together 45 or 50 pages of 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 worthy, you know drockable material here so
0: which is, which is kind of sad, let's be honest.
1: Yeah, well, it is, but I also, you know, I, I have some faith, um, and, and you usually, this is where you, you're you like, well, just wait, Jeff, because Mark Miller is coming back next volume with Omega Prog and Good News. It's all Mark Miller. Oh,
0: Nest, it's not, but you know who is coming back? Uh... Your favorite,
1: John Smith. Oh, interesting. Well, I I have to say I also do like me some John body. Smith. Fucking hell, God, fuck! <laughs> that Siku All man, right. he must he must be great at hitting his deadlines and and is good at picking up the round. But Jesus, okay. Well, that uh, that is volume thirty-two that we will be discussing in one one mere month, Graham. Yes, and so uh, because you're saying that, I feel obliged to tell
0: you that there's going to be show notes uh, for this episode up at waitwhatpodcast.com dot com on Monday. Monday, let's say Monday lunchtime. Let's, you know, nice. I might I might blow that deadline, but let's say Monday lunchtime. I'll, I'll, okay, you know, that's lunchtime Pacific time. Sorry, everyone else. It's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not promising lunchtime the UK time. I'll still be asleep. Yeah, so there's going to be show notes up there. Uh, in the meantime, why don't you check out our Twitter account at Wait Podcast. Jeff has a Twitter account at LazyBassett at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. I have a Twitter account at M at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. Uh, and we're a patron-supported podcast, which is the entire reason DROC exists. Jeff,
1: tell the people what they've won. What they've won is this, uh, this podcast, DROC. They've also one thanks to the generosity of the listeners on patreon um baxter building our 50 plus issue uh read through 50 plus um uh, what would i call it installment pot of uh read through of the first 416 issues of the fantastic four plus some assorted sundries um man i really boggle that poorly um we are incredibly grateful for all of our listeners. I'll keep it kind of short because I feel like I, um, I, I. What's the term? Bloviated. It is bloviate, isn't it? Or is it biovate? I, I, I think words. it's bloviate. I could be yeah. wrong. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I think I bloviated uh, to in extreme this episode, and which is part of why I'm incredibly grateful for all of our listeners for listening, um, getting whatever that you get out of it. Sometimes it's uh, a chuckle. Sometimes it's a recommendation. Perhaps it's a confirmation of a long held theory about a very old piece of, uh, 2000 AD paraphernalia, whatever it is. Um, we hope that we provide it for you, uh, hopefully every month. Um, hopefully three weekends through of every month. Uh, but we're glad that you, you, you continue to come around our door. And I really want to thank the fine folks at Patreon who also um, take an, a, a, a little virtual envelope, put a little bit of their hard earned dosh and just slide that underneath that door such that Graham and I can can get ourselves uh, Jaffa cakes with it or whatever the North American. I haven't
0: had Jaffa cakes in ages. And now I'm like Jaffa cakes. <laughs>
1: Ah, that is fabulous. So, so yes, Patreon listeners, thank you. Thank you for um, your support. Uh, thank you, everyone. I w- super shout out to Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy. Supporting or continuing support of this podcast is so incredibly beneficial. Rumors has it that the constellation can be held up upon her feline brow, and we are grateful for it. Thank you, Audrey.
0: What, a, what a, a beautifully poetic way of putting it. I See, as I was telling you before we recorded, I watched Eternals today. And I wanted to make some sort of like celestial joke, but then it would just put me in a really bad mood about Eternals, which I hated. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that next week. But we will actually have to talk like on the recording about yes. just how much I hated the film The Eternals. But we are back in a week with a, a, a regular robot in which we will be talking about... Honestly, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen uh, mm. to the world of the comics between now and then? Who knows who's going to get sued? Who knows who's going to announce another unnecessary sequel to a Jeff Johns crossover comic from eleven years ago? It's who can tell. Who can tell is all I'm saying. <laughs> Flashpoint, <laughs> fucking beyond.
2: Oh, uh, okay.
0: Yeah. It's rare that I will get uh, like a, a piece of PR. And uh-huh. I'll read it, and I'll be like, "No," <laughs> but that out loud, and that's exactly what
1: I did when I got the Flashpoint Beyond here. <laughs> well, no, I, I look forward to hearing that story again because, knowing me, I will not retain it. But that is that is a delight. <laughs> um, yes, and I look forward to bullshitting about that and many other comic book uh, subjects. But until that time, because it is a Drock. Uh, I am going to sing us out and let you know, Drock, you're under arrest, citizen. Report to the cubes. We'll see you in 30.